Well, good morning, church. I'm Andrew. I'm the Fredericksburg campus pastor, and it is so good to be with you this morning. We are one church meeting in multiple locations, and we have so many reasons to celebrate. In fact, we have 30 reasons, because last Sunday, 30 people across both campuses went public with their faith through baptism. Yeah, let's praise God for that. And I'm even, I'm, I'm just personally excited because right at the Fredericksburg campus, even though we're just three weeks into it, four people went public with their faith and got baptized right in our brand new space, just three Sundays into what we've been doing down there. So I'm so excited for what God's going to be doing over the next few weeks. I can't wait to see what he does. And as one church meeting in multiple locations, I want to invite all of you here at the Stafford campus and even if you're watching online to come help get the word out as we get ready to do our grand opening on Easter. In fact, coming up this Saturday on April 6th, we're going to be going around to the surrounding neighborhoods around the campus and we're going to hang up several thousand door hangers. So I'd love for you to join me at the building next Saturday. I'm going to feed you some Sugar Shack Donuts. I'm going to have some coffee to get you caffeinated up, and then we're going to go out and into teams all around the area and, again, hang up these door hangers. I mean, so what could be a better way to spend your Saturday than to get some sugar, to get some exercise, and to spread the word that the Mount has finally come to Fredericksburg? So that's next Saturday, 9 a.m. Yeah, praise God. That's next Saturday, um, April 6th, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. You can actually sign up at mtarred.org slash events, or you can just show up and just be there on the day, okay? Now, we're continuing our series called What If. What if you could live life with no condemnation? What if you could live life forgiven to realize that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ? That no one can claim you, no one can condemn you, that freedom is found in Jesus. What if you could live life different? What if you could begin to live life and see that you are no longer a slave to sin, but you are now a son or a daughter of God, an heir with Christ? What would life look like if we could live life the way that Jesus really intended? What if we did live life the way that Jesus wants for us? In fact, one of my favorite verses in all the scriptures is found in John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What if we could live life to the full just like Jesus wants for us? But what happens when we don't? In fact, what happens sometimes where it feels like we're, we're not even living life to the full, but we're actually living on the very opposite side of that? What happens when we feel like we're not even living in what Jesus wants for us? In fact, sometimes we can find ourselves asking the question, if God really is so good, if he really does want me to live life to the fullest, then why does it feel like life is so hard? Why does it feel like that so many times I have more painful days or more disappointing days than I do good days. In fact, sometimes we can find ourselves asking, us that, or asking ourselves that question. And I know that many of you guys are probably looking at me right now, and you look at me and you think, Andrew's straight out of Compton. <laughs> or straight, straight out of summer, right? I mean, no one probably really think, thinks that. But, you know, I actually grew up in a neighborhood that was actually a pretty rough neighborhood in South Florida in Palm Beach County. 
I know right now you're probably saying, okay, Angel, we know that the president, Donald Trump, has a home in Palm Beach County. We know what Palm Beach County is like. Well, let's just say I lived on the opposite side of the county from where Donald Trump has his home. In fact, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, it was often characterized by drug deals that would go down. It was often characterized by bullying beyond belief. It was often characterized by um, police helicopters searching for people through the neighborhood all through the night. In fact, we were often featured on the news and never, ever for the right reasons. And I would think as a child, I would think and say, if people, if people, people say that God is so good, but if he really is so good, why are all these bad things happening right in front of me? Why am I even living in a place like this? Why is all this pain and suffering happening right before my eyes? Now, many of you are not living in a situation like that, praise God. But you might be in a season right now where you're experiencing some type of pain or disappointment or suffering on some level. And, you know, the, the spectrum of disappointment and pain is wide. I mean, sometimes you're on the, the lighter side of it. I mean, maybe you're a Redskins fan and maybe you're just used to disappointment and pain. Um, in fact, that is actually on you, okay, if you're still, still in that realm. But maybe you just feel that all the time. But... There's also the other end of the spectrum. In fact, so many times it can be such a contrast in where we are when we feel pain and suffering. In fact, there may be something that happened to you that's causing you pain or disappointment right now. It was completely out of your control. Maybe you tried everything you could to get that government contract again, but you were just outbid by somebody else. Maybe you fought and fought and fought for your marriage. You even went to counseling but they still want to give you a divorce. Maybe that guy told you that he loved you and there was no one else in the world for him but you. You even compromised your own standards to be with him. Now he's abandoned you. He's with somebody else. And now you feel like your life is in pieces. And see, disappointment and pain and suffering is something that does affect everyone but that was something that was hard for me to understand when I first became a follower of Christ. In fact, when I first became a follower of Christ, I thought pain and suffering were, were only now for people who don't follow Jesus. I thought all this disappointment and pain were for people who weren't part, they weren't Christians at all. In fact, I thought after I started following Jesus that life would be all cherry blossoms and upfront parking all the time. But let me tell you something, especially if you're not following Jesus yet, let me tell you something that followers of Jesus already know, is that oftentimes life after you decide to follow Christ can actually even be more painful than it was before. In fact, how many of you right now are either in a painful season, in this, a season full of stress or distress or disappointment, or you're either coming out of one? How many of you are in that, uh, that type of season right now where you feel like you're in a battle, you're in a trial, the season is characterized by pain and suffering? If that's you right now, would you raise your hand up and just keep it up for a moment? And I just want you to keep your hand up. I don't want you to look around the room, okay? And I want you to see that you are not alone. You're not the only one going through a season like that. And in fact, I really do believe that God just wants me to take a moment before we jump into the passage in Romans chapter 8. And just pray for you. And if that was you, if you just had your hand up, I want you to raise your hand up again. Or if you didn't the first time, raise your hand up. And I want you to raise your hand up, not to embarrass you, but simply to, 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 to change our posture. To say, God, 
We need you to declare that our posture sometimes can change our perspective, even in our pain. So, Father God, I just want to take a moment, and I just want to come before you and just declare, God, for every single hand that's up, that we need you. God, whether we're in a painful season right now, God, whether our season right now is being characterized by disappointment or suffering, God, whether we've prayed and prayed and prayed for something and we don't see the end of it, God, we need you. I just want to declare right now in this moment, Lord, I, I pray for the person who has their hand up. I pray that they would know right now in this moment that you see them. God, that you have not abandoned them. You have not forgotten them. And God, somehow, some way, even though it feels like things are always going to be this way, or somehow, some way, Lord, you will lead them through. God, would you give them the grace that they need? God, would you give them the power that they need? God, would you give them the strength and the encouragement that they need to make it through whatever it is that they're going through? God, you said in this world we will have many troubles, but to take heart that you have overcome the world. God, and in any situation, you can bring your peace and your grace. God, we need you. Would you do that for us? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have your Bible or Bible app, go on and turn to Romans chapter 8. You know, one of the things I absolutely love about the Bible is that it was a real book written by real people who really did love Jesus, but who also really did experience life, both the blessings, but also the battles. And one of those people was the Apostle Paul, who actually wrote Romans chapter 8. Paul was no stranger to pain and suffering. In fact, just look at some of the things that Paul went through in his life. Paul at one point was a prisoner, and he was on this ship being transported. He was in chains, and that ship was shipwrecked, and he could have almost lost his life. He was part of this huge shipwreck. The next thing is that Paul was stoned. Now, let me pause for a moment, okay? Those of you who are new to church, it's not what you think, all right? <laughs> Paul was not being comforted by the cannabis, all right? What would happen in the first century oftentimes, if you broke a law or you offended some religious group, they would have you stoned, which means that they would take large rocks and they would, in essence, pelt you until you were dead um, or even very close to death. In fact, one time they, they stoned Paul um, to the point where they thought he was dead. They took his body and threw him outside the city gates, but somehow God like, healed him. He got back up and went in there and kept preaching, preaching Jesus to them. Paul was almost killed at least two times that we know of. He was put in jail many times. He was bitten by snakes. He was persecuted. He was bullied beyond belief. He was insulted. He endured poverty. He was rejected by his friends. And you want to know something? All of this happened after knowing Jesus. All of these things came after he had decided to follow Christ. And see, Paul was no stranger to suffering, disappointment, and pain. He knows a thing or two about it. But what do you do when you are going through a season of suffering and pain? What if we began to realize that that situation that we're going through wasn't designed to break you, but what if instead God wanted to use that situation to change you? 
Today in Romans chapter 8, I believe there's three lenses that Paul wants us to filter our pain and the battles that we go through to give us victory over our pain. See, we all will go through it even after knowing Jesus. But see, your perspective in your pain, how you set your mind on what it is that you're going through can help you see that season of battles as one that can actually lead to things becoming better. So in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18, look what Paul says. He says, I consider. Now, if you have a Bible, I want you to circle this word consider. I'm going to be Pastor Todd today and circle that word right there. Now, Paul isn't, isn't just... I consider like I've thought about something. He isn't just trying to, you know, consider what's on Netflix and try to make a choice from that. The word in the original language here carries with it this idea that Paul has really not only thought about this, but he's thought about it again and again and again. He's done his research, but not only that, but he's been through some things. He has experienced some things. In fact, he's put some mental weight behind it. The word literally means to put some mental reckoning behind it. In fact, it's the same word that Paul would actually use in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, where he says, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And he said, I consider, which means I've thought about it and I thought again. I've experienced some things. I know how life is. Like, I know what the truth is. I consider that all of those things are garbage that I may know and I may gain Christ. So I just want you to take a moment. I want to ask you, would you consider that what it is you're going through right now might not be designed to break you, but God wanted to use that season to change you? Would you consider that the heartache the pain, suffering, the disappointment that you're going through right now, would you consider that God still wants what's best for you? Would you consider that right now in this season that there still is hope? Paul goes on to say, he said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. But not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. 
The first lens I believe Paul wants us to filter our pain and the battles that we go through to is simply this. Sometimes when it comes to the things that we're going through, we have to realize that sometimes all the pain is not worth it. Sometimes it's not worth it. In fact, I want you to turn to your neighbor right now, look him in the eye and say, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. How many of you have ever been through a season or a situation where you went through it and there was all sorts of stress that was in you, all sorts of pain or anger that was in you, and you came out on the other side of that season, you're like, that was not worth my time. What that person said to me, what they did to me, the stuff I went through, it was not worth the the pain that I endured in whatever that situation or event was. In fact, I, I would like to illustrate it this way, okay? I absolutely hate, I know hate's a strong word, so I mean I despise when people break the traffic laws because they're trying to be nice. I can't stand it. The other day, I was coming out of my neighborhood, and I was about to make a right turn onto Spotsylvania Parkway. And so Spotsylvania Parkway is a thoroughfare. Um, There's no stop signs or anything on the road. Um, If you're going east or west on the parkway, you don't stop. You just keep going. But traffic turning, of course, has to yield. So I was about to make a left, uh, right-hand turn onto Spotsylvania Parkway, and there was a truck on the opposite side of the road that wanted to make a left-hand turn into my neighborhood. So this truck is getting ready to make the left-hand turn. So they're waiting for this one car, this one car that's coming down on the side of the road where my neighborhood is. So this car is coming down the road. There are no other cars around. No cars behind it. There's no cars in front of it. This car stops in the middle of traffic and waves the left-hand turn person to come in. And I'm in my car saying, what are you doing? You are breaking the law. And I start praying that the police will come and have that person arrested, that God would, God would take away their license, and they would never be able to drive again. And I was also on my way to uh, prepare for this message. And, um, and in that moment, I almost hear, almost hear the Spirit of God saying, is it worth it? Is it worth it to let that person, even though they are breaking the law, um, is it worth it to let that person make your blood pressure rise? Is it worth it for you to get so upset? Is it worth it to give them power to produce pain in your life? It's not worth it. Come on, how many of you guys who drive on I-95 every single day? How many of you you know that the norm, okay, what's expected is that you will run into a traffic jam at some point? So if you're driving down I-95, are you going to get mad and start screaming and cussing? How many of you guys know that you cannot let I-95 have that power in your life to cause you pain? You can't let it do it anymore. Man, turn on some worship music, take that extra time, praise God, listen to the Bible, turn on an old sermon, but don't let I-95 have the power to produce pain in your life anymore. I see in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, this is what Paul was trying to communicate to this church. He said, I consider that our present sufferings, the things that we are going through right now, the things that we're enduring, he says our present sufferings, sometimes they are not worth it compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. Well, what Paul is saying is sometimes the suffering that we will go through, whether it's caused by people or even ourselves, is not worth it compared to what God wants to do in us and what it is that he wants for us. And sometimes you really just have to declare in the light of who Jesus is, what he's calling you to do, 
what he says about you to declare that it is not worth it to give that person or that situation power to produce pain in my life. Now, maybe it's something as simple as you have a, a friend on Facebook and every time they do something on Facebook or on Instagram, you make sure you go and like all their pictures or you comment on it, but they never do that for you and you're getting all mad about it. It's not worth it. Maybe you're harboring unforgiveness against somebody. You know, Nelson Mandela once said that harboring resentment and unforgiveness against somebody else, it's like you're trying to drink poison and hope that the other person is going to die. But the truth of the matter is, God wants you to experience freedom that comes with forgiveness. He wants you to understand there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You don't have to hold on to unforgiveness because all it's doing is giving that person power to produce pain in your life. And that is not what God wants for you. It's not worth it. Maybe you're in school and someone at school keeps telling you that, that you're worth nothing. They're trying to downgrade your worth. And let me just say as someone who was bullied pretty much all my, all my school days, let me just say I know what it is. I know that words do hurt. I know that words are indeed painful. In fact, I know one of the biggest lies the devil has ever pushed into our culture is that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That's one of the biggest lies ever in our culture. But why will we give power to somebody who doesn't even know us? Why will we give them power to produce pain in our life and even try to set our identity when God says something so much better about us, so much, um, so much more um, good about us, when he says that you're a masterpiece? When he says that you are loved, and it's not worth it to give that person power to produce pain in your life. So sometimes the pain that we're enduring, we have to look at that situation again in the light of who God is and what he wants to do in us and through us. We have to look at that situation. Sometimes even that person say, it is not worth it for me to give you power to produce pain in my life. The second filter I think Paul wants us to see here to filter our pain and our battles through is that sometimes what we go through, it is worth it because God has been working in it. Sometimes what we're going through, even though it's hard, even though there's pain in it, sometimes it's worth it to go through that season because we see that God has been working in it. Look again what Paul says in verse 22 through 25. He says, we know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, we, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet. We wait for it patiently. You know, last week Clayton King talked about how we're all, you know, once we give our life to Christ, we are adopted into the family of God. And when we give our lives to Jesus, we receive something called salvation. And salvation is something where it is instant, but it's also a process. Salvation is something where it is, it is the already, but not yet. 
And I thought this actually might help some people who have either recently given your life to Christ or maybe you've always kind of had the question, am I saved, am I not saved, what does that look like? And I'm going to teach you a couple of theological terms today to help you understand that salvation is something beautiful that God works in us. And so the first part of salvation is something called justification. Justification. Now what justification means is that when you come to that point in your life where you realize that God loved you, that he's been pursuing you, that you were a sinner in need of a savior, and you declare that Jesus was a Lord and leader of your life, that he's forgiven you of your past, your sins, when you do that, you are forever justified before God, which means that right now in heaven, you have right standing before God. So if you were to walk out to this I walk out of this building today and walk out on the 610 and get hit by a bus and you were a pancake on the road and, you, and your life was over, because you had already made a decision to follow Christ, even if last night you were doing something that you weren't supposed to be doing, because you had already made a decision to follow Christ, you are justified forever in heaven. You will spend eternity with Jesus forever. In fact, justification, it points to the fact that if you think about it, there's nothing that we could do to earn our salvation Because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, there's nothing we could do to earn it. So what makes you think it could be ever something where it could be taken away? When you give your life to Jesus, it is forever. It's for eternity. The next part of salvation is something called sanctification. Now, this is the part where Paul talks about how we're we're waiting and there's also some groaning that happens in the process of salvation called sanctification. You know, this is the right now. This is if you've given your life to Christ, this is what you're going through right now. So it is the blessings, but it's also the battles. This is the time period in our life where God is trying to continue to make us new. This is where he's trying to bring glory to his name through our lives, but he's also trying to work everything out for our good as well. This is the part of salvation that a lot of times is actually a very painful part because it's where we do see the effects of sin in the world and the effects of sin in our lives. And then the last part of salvation is something called, ju- called glorification. Now, glorification, this is the part where Paul talks about how we're going to get these redemptive bodies one day. And glorification is a part where when our life on earth is over. Now, we all know that life here on earth is going to end. I mean, what are the two things that are for sure in life? Death and taxes. Hey, April 15th is coming up, by the way. This is your public service announcement. (laughs) File your taxes. Well, we all know at some point in life, our life on earth is going to end. And of course, we hope it's going to be a long time, but at any moment, life on earth is going to end. And that's why I love how no matter who it is on this platform on Sunday, at some point, we like to let you know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And when you decide to give your life to him, you are justified forever in heaven. And as long as you're here on earth, God is working your process to you. But the day is going to come where you are with Jesus forever. And the pain, the disappointment, the suffering that we endure here on earth will finally be over. But praise God, we also get new bodies. All my stretch marks will be gone. (laughs) And we'll be glorified. You know, I I love, I watched a documentary the other day by Billy Graham on Netflix about Billy Graham. And Billy Graham said this, and I love this. He once said that someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. 
He says, don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive then than I am right now because I will have gone to be in the presence of Jesus. So see, the salvation that Jesus gives is this already we're justified, but it's also this not yet. We're waiting to be glorified. But see, the hardest part, I'm going to put that back up there. The hardest part is the sanctification. But just like Paul said, it's like we're waiting eagerly, but at the same time, there's a groaning that happens as we endure pain and suffering while we're still here on earth. But I want you to know that this sanctification, this, pro- this whole process that God is working, even sometimes it's so hard and so painful what we're going through that it's worth it to go through this. Because God has been working in it the entire time. You know, Paul also references childbirth. He references some of this waiting that we experience and how sometimes what we're going through, um, it's a wait, and he kind of ties it into childbirth. And I know I personally don't know anything about childbirth. I know there's a lot of moms out there, and you've gone through childbirth. And I, I was asking my wife about this when I was reading this passage earlier this week. And I was asking her, because our first child, she went through 30 hours of painful labor to push that little turkey out. <laughs> I remember asking her, I said, do you think it was worth it to go through 30 hours of labor to have our first child? And she was like, <laughs> Now, eventually she said yes. I mean, how many of you know that even though you go through that pain... I know for some, some people it's short, sometimes it's really long. But what comes out on the other side, it's worth it. Many of you also know that we, we recently have gone through the process of adoption and uh, we finally were able to bring our daughter home. In fact, um, we brought Karis home this uh, almost two months um, now. And she, she has been such a joy. Um, she's been, I mean, don't tell anybody, but I think she might be my favorite child. Um, <laughs> but this was a painful process for us. It was painful financially. It was painful spiritually. It was painful emotionally at times. But you know what? Now, especially now that we're on the other side of it, I know that it was worth it because we saw God working in it all throughout the process. In fact, I even just want to say thank you to you because many, God worked through many of you, through the, the prayers that you gave, the financial support that you gave, even just making a comment on our status while we were in India, waiting and waiting and waiting. God was working in it because I saw him working through you. And even though this was a hard season for us, you want to know who it was even harder for? It was harder for our daughter, Karis, because she was waiting. And we didn't even notice until we got there. But once we got there, we started to get all of her medical records, and they started to, to, to say more about all the things that she had been through. For the 14, 15 months that she had been alive, she had been in the hospital seven times. Seven times while she was waiting and in pain. But would you know that even while she was waiting, I believe that God was still working. All throughout the process. In fact, I believe it was God who, who prompted her mom and dad to, to take her to full term, to not abort her. 
and then to even to give her to the adoption process, I believe that God was still working in the hospital to, pro- to provide healing for her. And of course, God was working all throughout the process to finally bring this family together. But sometimes when we're eagerly waiting, it can feel like groaning. But sometimes it's worth it because God has been working in it. And see, when we're in a season like this where we're waiting and we're experiencing pain, this can be the part where we may not even understand the most. This may be the part where we hurt the most. But this may be the part of life where we also need to hope the best and that God is still working. Even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, to know that he is still working. And somehow, some way, it, is, it will be worth it. It is worth it because God has been working in it. You know, Paul concludes this section of Romans 8 in verse 26 where he says, In the same way, in the same way, the Spirit helps us. Now, now this word helps right here in the original language. This word helps right here in the original language. It's not just, you know, I, I fall and I can't get up and then somebody comes and helps you up, okay? It, it means, it means the type of help that will be with you. It's the type of help that comes alongside of you. It's the type of help where God says, I'm going to give you everything you need when you're going through a season like this. It's the type of help that is an everlasting help. The type of help that is an ever-present help. It's the type of help that God gives us when we're going through a season of waiting and pain. He says the Spirit will indeed help us in our weakness, in those seasons of pain and suffering and disappointment. He says we do not even know what we ought to pray. Man, have you ever been waiting and in pain and disappointment so much that you don't even know what to pray for God? You don't even know what to say to Him. You don't even know what to ask for. What Paul is saying right here is that God is still working on it. He says we do not know what to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Did you know right now that if you're in a season of pain and suffering that the Spirit of God is praying for you? That is doing battle for you that you can't even see in the heavenly realms? That he is still working for you. And because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, God is working. He is praying for you. He's working for you. And it's worth it because he's right there with us. I'm going to ask our worship team to go and make their way back to the stage. And as they're coming back out to the stage, I just want to give you the last lens that I believe Paul wants us to filter the pain and the battles that we go through. And this is it. I hope this last one is one that you hold on to. This is the last filter that we need to filter our pain through. And we need to remember that you will get through it. No matter what it is you're going through, you will get through. I know sometimes it can feel like it's always going to be this way, but you will get through. I know sometimes it can feel like this season will never, ever, ever end. But if God is in it, 
You will get through it. You know, there's another time when, when Paul wrote to a church and he was going through another season of suffering and pain. And in this season, he had people inside the church that he was writing to attacking him. He had people outside the church attacking him. And not only was he having those attacks and feeling discouragement and pain from that, disappointment from that, but he also had this physical ailment that would not go away. In fact, look what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7. He says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. He said three times, not once, not twice, but three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Now, I, I want you to know that sometimes when I read passages like this, sometimes I think when someone asks a question, I like to put myself um, in the shoes of the person who, who's being asked the question, how would I answer? And uh, I know I'm not God, okay? I know that, okay? But if I was God and the apostle Paul came to me and pleaded with me three times to take this thing away, and I want you to know, too, we're also the type of church where we believe what the book of Galatians teaches, where it says there is no Jew or Gentile, um, slave or free, male or female. Like, everyone is level at the foot of the cross. Like, we are all equals in God's eyes. But there was a super Christian, a favorite child. It would be the Apostle Paul. I mean, Paul, all those things that we read about, uh, what I told you about, like, he would come out of those things and still be passionate about following Christ. I mean, he was in jail, and he would try to win the jailers to Jesus. He'd be singing songs of praise even while he was in prison. He would go on to write almost half of the New Testament. He would do all these things. I mean, we're reading his words today. And if he came to me and said three times, you know, God, I pleaded with you, would you take this away from me? My answer would be yes. I would say, of course, Paul, because of you, the gospel is going to go outside of Jerusalem. Because of you, the gospel is going to go all over the world. In fact, you're going to be in a, encouraging a church that's in Stafford and Fredericksburg in 2019 that they can go through whatever they endure. Of course, I'm going to take it away. In fact, you know what? I'm going to give you a raise, and you're never going to suffer again. But see, that's why what God says next always surprises me. But see, what he says next is exactly what we need. Because sometimes we will go through trouble. In fact, Jesus said we will. It's a promise. But what he says next is what we need. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes God may not take away the situation you're going through. And I know it's painful. I know it hurts. But right now, he wants to give you his grace. He wants to give you the power that you need. And whatever it is you're going through, because of Jesus, because of the power of the Spirit, you will get through for a moment, I want to talk to the person who hasn't yet accepted Jesus. I know for me, like I entered into a season of disappointment and pain in my life right around when I was in my second year of college. And because of all the pain and suffering I had seen in the neighborhood I grew up in, 
I had seen in my own life because of the, the disappointment and the guilt that I brought on myself through my first two years of college. I did, it was hard for me to see God as good or even being real. But would you know during that first two years of college that like God began to reach me? And I started to see, you know what? It's not worth it to ignore what God wants to do in my life that he's been pursuing me. But it is worth it to see that all throughout my life, he's been pursuing me. And even in the pain and shame and guilt, he wanted to have a relationship with me. And I knew the only way I was going to be able to really make it through this life, because more disappointment, more pain, more suffering is going to come. But the only way I'm going to really make it through was to surrender my life to Christ. So is that you today? Have you been running from God? And maybe it's because of the pain that you've seen in your life or outside of your life. I just want to say that today is the day for you to give your life to Jesus. He is the only way that you're going to make it through this life. So won't you go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes? While everyone has their heads down, their eyes closed, if that's you today, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus, right where you are, would you pray these simple words? And, you know, these aren't some magical words, but these are, these are those words that help communicate to God what he's been doing already in your life. Would you just pray, Jesus, it's not worth it to run from you. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and leader of my life. Jesus, with you in this life, it's worth it. With you, Jesus, I will get through. Now, if you prayed that prayer to ask Jesus to be the Lord and leader of your life for the first time, while everyone says their heads down, their eyes closed, I'm simply gonna count to three. And when I, once I hit three, I want you to shoot your hand straight up in the air to say that today is the day. Today is the day, despite my pain, despite my disappointments, that I know that I can get through with Jesus and that he's the Lord and leader of my life. And if that's you today and you pray to receive Christ as the Lord and leader of your life, get ready. One, two, Three, going to shoot your hand up and keep it straight up. Wait for our prayer team to get around to you. They're going to give you a box. Hold it up high so they can be able to get to you this morning. And Father, I just want to take a moment to pray for everyone, God. God, what I've heard it said that whether we're in a trial right now, we might be going into one or just coming out of one. God, we know that when we give our lives to you that we are justified forever in heaven. God, we know that a day's gonna come when we will be glorified, we will be with you for eternity. But God, while we're being sanctified, would you give us the grace that we need? God, would you give us the power that we need to make it through those seasons of pain and disappointment? And we know, God, that we will give you the glory for it. But we need you. Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church, look at me for a moment. I'm going to ask our prayer team to actually come down front right now. And while our prayer team is down here, our worship team is going to sing one more song. And as they sing that song, if you are in a painful season right now, I just want to invite you to come and just let the prayer team pray for you. Because we know that God's interceding on your behalf right now, but we as a church want to do the same thing that God's 
doing for you and just to be able to pray for you. So if you are in a season of pain, a trial, or disappointment, would you come down and simply let us pray for you while we sing? So let's stand and let's respond to God this morning.